Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. First you said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every man performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Wonderful. The author begins with this extraordinary claim, especially to the mind of a Jew who's reading this, an ancient first century Hebrew. He begins with this extraordinary claim that everything they know, their entire worshiping system, are all mere shadows of something that's real. We talked about this last week. Everything from the tabernacle was a shadow of, of something better and something real. The, uh, the, the priest, the high priest, wasn't real. He was just a shadow of a better and greater high priest who was going to come and in a better way reconcile us and make things right. The, the sacrifices themselves were, were merely shadows of something bigger and better and greater. And in, in, in their mindset, this would have been such a radical claim because, I mean, everything about their life revolves around this worshiping system. Their sacrifices that they offer, offer day after day after day, every day there's some kind of sacrifice that needs to be offered. And then, like, once a year they have these really big deals where they offer some sacrifices and, and it's this big atonement once a year. But it's constantly, they're, they're like looping back to, to it every, on a daily basis, sacrifices over and over and over. And so what he's saying is that all of these sacrifices, they were shadows of something greater which is to come. And that the sacrifices of bulls and goats, the blood of bulls and goats, didn't really fix anything. It would be as if, like if you, if you guys have a car and you take it to the mechanic, you're having some problems with it, and uh, he gives it back to you and... It drives all right for, the, for about a day, and then you have the same problem with it, you know? And then you take it back to the mechanic. Next day, you get it back, you drive for a little bit, same problems. And day after day after day, what you're doing is you're actually living my life. <laughs> you're, driving, you're driving my car, <laughs> if that's the case. And the mechanic really isn't fixing anything, all right? This little bit's going to go to my mechanic. But, I mean, if that was a reality, would the mechanic really be fixing your car? Of course not. Because you're having the same problems with it over and over and over. Every day you're going back, and it's just this secular, repeating thing where you're just, it's, it's, it's therapy almost. And so what he's saying is, like, every day, day after day after day after day, you're offering these sacrifices, but they're really not fixing anything. The, the worshipers, and this, is, this was their act of worship, by the way, taking these animals and slitting their throat and... and Placing them on the altar. This was an act. This was their act of worship. 
But the problem is, with, with their act of worship and with these sacrifices, is their guilt still remained. Like, their guilty conscience. They're still walking around feeling the guilt of their sin. Day after day after day, year after year after year. The guilt still remains, and they couldn't shake it. And so they, con- they continue this loop, this loop, over and over and over. But... Hebrews says, when Christ came into the world, sacrifice and burnt offering, he he quotes Psalm 40, and he attributes it to Christ right here. Sacrifice and burnt offering you did not desire. All of the Old Testament saints knew that these sacrifices that they're offering really didn't fix the problem. And they all knew that they were pushing towards something bigger and better, that they were all this, this shadow of something that is real. And they're looking forward to this something that is real to come down among them. And they they all knew this, that sacrifices, the, the, the blood of bulls and goats, isn't really what God wanted. It's not really what pleased him. It's not what he really desired. But, Jesus says, a body you have prepared for me. What what God wanted all of this time was was a flesh and blood body to come, which would be completely subjected to his will and his desires. A God, God desired hands, which would never be used to, to, to you know, raise up and threaten someone, but hands which would be used for God's glory. Feet, which would which would take a body where it needs to go to glorify God, or in, in your case, a car. You know, every, the, the transportation to, to be used, the transportation at your disposal to be used for God's glory and to take you places where, where God can be, be made known. A mind, which would be used to carefully think about God and actually contemplate like ways to, to glorify God as opposed to glorifying ourselves and creating our own world. Like, guys, there are a lot of great minds out there. I, I Facebooked not too long ago um, if, if Christians would take the gospel as seriously as drug dealers take their drug business, we would be doing some amazing things, wouldn't we? I mean, there are people that, that use their minds in brilliant ways for destructive reasons. But God desired a mind, a, a, a body which would come, and the, and the mind would be completely given over to, to God's glory. Ears which would uh, hear the cries of the poor and, and the suffering and the rejected, and which would not only hear, but then would, would, which would turn and listen, and, and a mouth which would be slow to speak, which would speak words that would bring glory to God. Um, energy and strength. The way, I mean, you, you guys all have energy and strength, right? Some of you do, some of you don't. But energy and strength, which would be used for, for God's glory, again, not to build our own empire, not to build our own thing or bring glory and beauty to ourselves, but all of our energy and strength to be focused on bringing glory to God. And, and a heart, which would be so full of love and grace and peace that there would be no room for darkness. There would be no room for callousness and hardness. And so what Jesus said then is, here I am, like a body you have prepared for me. It's written about me in the scroll, he says. It talks about me. 
It's written about me in the scroll, and he says, I have come to do your will. Though the law required bulls and goats to be sacrificed on the altar, the law required this. The law required these daily sacrifices. The law required once a year they would take a goat and they would the, the high priest would place his hand on the goat's head and all of the sins of the people would be channeled through the high priest into the goat and the, then they would send the goat out into the wilderness and with the goat would flee all of the sins of the people, right? I mean, that was, that was the way it was supposed to happen. The problem is year after year after year, they still had to pull up the old scapegoat and send another one out into the wilderness. Because the scapegoat couldn't effectively carry off the sins of the people. The blood of the bulls and the blood of the goats couldn't effectively forgive all of the sins of the people. And so the, even though the law required these things, God wasn't really pleased with them. That wasn't really what God wanted. And Jesus said, here I am. Here I am. This is what you've wanted. And I have come to completely, I'm a, I'm a physical flesh and blood body, and I've come to do your will. And he establishes then this new covenant, which we've talked about. He establishes this new covenant of love with all of humanity through abolishing the old. And then look at verse 10. In verse 10 it says, And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. So here is this body which has been completely in every way, you know, hands, feet, eyes, ears, his strength, his will, everything has been subjected to the glory of God. And then we, humans, have been made holy through that body being sacrificed. So, therefore, and I'll close with this. Just kidding. You'd be like, man, that's a good message. <laughs> Therefore, God is not impressed with your sacrifices. He's not impressed with your sacrifices. They're no longer needed. And you're like, wait a second. I don't do sacrifices. I don't have an altar in my living room. You might. I see Christians live according to the sacrificial system all the time. And we could probably brainstorm some ideas together in how we offer sacrifices, but I want to give you a couple right here. Number one, this is the way that we offer sacrifices, church attendance. Now, gathering for worship, coming together for worship is entirely important. I mean, it's an ancient tradition that began at the very onset of people following Christ, gathering for worship on Sundays typically, not that we have to gather on Sundays, but there is this tradition that we are part of where we come together as a community and we gather and it's very important but if you quote unquote come to church to make you feel better about the uh, stuff that happened the previous week to sort of clean your conscience if it would to to just make you feel better then you might as well just go home because God's not pleased with it. he's not he's not impressed he's like whoa you came to church good for you you know he's not impressed but we do this. We, we, you know, something happens throughout the week, and we're just like, man, i got to get back to church. And then we go to church on Sunday, and it just kind of makes, we go home, and we feel like a little inspired. The music, you know, kind of chilled us out a little bit. And uh, we just offered a sacrifice to make our, we did something 
to make ourselves feel a little better about our miserable state. Another one is this, giving money. And this is the most abused, one of the most abused um, practices within the church, I think. Where many churches allow people to think of giving money as a sacrifice, as offering a sacrifice. So, for example, I mean, again, it's very important that you give money. It's, I mean, Christians should be the most generous people. And if you're part of this community or if somebody's part of another church, you should give to support it. You should give to support the work of God in Baltimore or whatever city you eventually live in or whatever. But if you, quote-unquote, pay your tithes and offerings or you give your money looking to get something back from God, you're giving to receive God's blessing or his, his favor or whatever that might be, what you're doing is you're offering a sacrifice on the altar looking for God to be pleased with you, and then he'll drop a, a blessing on you. That's the old system. That's not biblical. I know a lot of people think it is. But it's not. We don't give to get. Like, if you're actually giving to get something from God, then stop giving and wait until you are ready to be generous and support the work of God through your resources and through your generosity. Another one is this. Number three, confession. Now, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins, right? If you confess, he's faithful and just to forgive you. But what often we do, and I've done this a lot in my life, is I have something in my head, or I've fallen in some way, and I can go to a friend, and I can sort of confess this to a friend, or maybe some of you to, to a pastor or to a priest. And after we've confessed it, we do what? It makes us feel better, right? It's like, ah, I feel, I feel resolved. And then we can go and do it again, right? And then we get together and confess it again. And, we go, and it's just, again, it's this pattern. What is that? It's sacrifices, it's simply offering sacrifices, doing things to make us feel better about, about who we are. And right along with this is this idea of penance. Penance is, is traditionally, penance is seen as like this uh, uh, punishment, in a way, for your sins. You're, you're, you sort of punish yourself for your sins. Um, I mean, extreme forms of penance we probably don't typically see on a regular basis, which is like self-mutilation. Now, somebody who struggles with cutting might... This, that, that could be a form of penance for them. It's sort of a form of punishment. Um, or drinking too much. Or any kind, anything where you might just like turn to some sort of self-destructive pattern. But where we see it, I think, on, the, on a broadest scale is this. Form of penance, form of self-punishment is this. We sin, we fall into sin, and then we enter into a time of despair. A sea of despair. Just for a time. Maybe a day, maybe you can sleep it off and, you don't, and, and, and you're done with your penance. But for a time, you go through this, this sort of sea of despair, maybe even self-hatred. Because you just can't do it right. You just can't live it right. You just can't get away from this thing or get over this sin in your life or whatever that is. And so for a time, then we, 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 we have despair, self-hatred. We get down on ourselves. It's, it's, a, it's, 
I mean, that is, that is a sacrifice in, in its like simplest form because what you're doing is this. And I've experienced this in my life. What you do is after the season of sin or whatever it is that you're struggling with and then you sort of go into the self-hatred mode, the sea of despair, you know that you're only going to be there for a little while, right? I mean, deep down, you know that, that you're only going to feel so terrible about yourself for maybe a day or two or five or whatever. You're going to go through this. And then, once you get to the other side, you loop back around, and now what do you feel free to do again? Sin. Right? You've, you've dealt with it. You, you've, you've offered the sacrifice. Your conscience has sort of been clean. The guilt, you're not feeling this guilty anymore. And, ah, oh, I'm ready to sin again. That's what we do. And it sounds like weird to actually say it. But think about the patterns in your life. You probably see this over and over and over, the secular sort of sacrificial system where you fall, you offer a sacrifice, you feel better, and now you're ready to sin again. This is the sacrificial system, and God is not pleased with your sacrifices. He doesn't want your sacrifices. He doesn't care about your sacrifices. Your sacrifices just simply don't impress him. So in, in light of, then, of Jesus' ultimate sacrifice, so Jesus... Jesus, by, by that will, we've been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Christ once for all. So this once for all kind of sacrifice of Jesus, where Jesus hung on the cross and, and all of our sin and, and brokenness was placed upon him and he sacrificed and through his death, we've been made holy. How then do we live? What does that mean for us? Because it, free, it frees you from the cycle Instead of just this endless looping over and over and over. Yeah. It's truly, it's freedom is what it is. I mean, we, we talk about the freedom that we have in Christ. It's freedom. It's freedom from the endless looping cycle of sin, guilt, sacrifice, feeling okay again, looping it over and over and over. I think of Second Peter, uh, or First Peter, I mean, chapter 2, verse 5. He says, you... Also, like living stones. And so Jesus is our cornerstone. Now, now remember, all of the Old Testament, this is a little side note, but all of the Old Testament, everything was fulfilled in Jesus. Every, all of their, the whole entire worship system was all shadows. It was all, every, every little bit of it. We, like, I, maybe we just need to do a series through the Old Testament. We'll start that next minute. We'll just go through the whole thing. And everything was fulfilled in Christ. So they, they used stones to build the temple. But now there is no more physical temple because that was just a shadow. And now Jesus is the living cornerstone for the temple. And in, in uh, 2 Peter 2, 5, he says, You also, like living stones, so we're like these, think of stones that are alive. How freaky is that? That's how we are. We're like living stones are being built together into a spiritual house. There's a new, a new temple. Uh, to be a holy priesthood, and so we have a new high priest, and we are like priests offering spiritual sacrifices. Now, Second Peter two five says offering spiritual sacrifices. Everything else is like, you know, the priests weren't really priests. Uh, the temple wasn't really the temple, and so sacrifices. When it's when it's talking about sacrifices, don't like be like, oh, that does mean we're supposed to offer sacrifices. No, it doesn't. You know, it's like there's a new kind of sacrifice. 
Now there's like this spiritual sacrifice, it says, where, where we offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, the ultimate sacrifice, the once and for all sacrifice. I think of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, your bodies, as what? As living sacrifices. You see, how do we, in light of Jesus' ultimate sacrifice, what is God then one of us? God wants us to have the same kind of prayer. Sacrifices you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In Romans 12, we are to then offer our bodies, our hands, feet, mind, ears, mouth, eyes, I said eyes, energy, and strength. Or work, I, yeah, it's true, your other eye, both of them. Um, our heart. And what this is, when we, when we, I mean, have you guys ever thought of it this way? Like, your entire body, and I don't mean just like the way you look. Like, God doesn't care what you look like. He really doesn't. You could, you could look like, I don't want to start stepping on anybody's toes. <laughs> Wrong place to go. He doesn't care what you look like. You could have a mullet. You could have a mullet, for goodness sake. You could have a mullet. Or aspire to have a mullet. And God doesn't care, you know? You could be like, you could have, you could have like these, you know, studs placed in your forehead and tattoos all over the place and you could look like a lizard. And God doesn't care what you look like. He really doesn't. But what, what he does want is this. Our hands, our feet, our mind, our ears, both of our eyes, our energy, our strength, our hearts, all of that he wants to be channeled and broken and subjected and submitted to his will and his glory. Every minute of every day. Like, and, and then and what this says in Romans 12 is... When we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, which are holy and pleasing to God, it says, this is your worship. This is your worship. Worship is so much more than 20 minutes of singing. You guys know that? Like, let's not call the singing time worship. It's more, worship is so much more than that. Don't just say, I'm going to church so I can worship. You know? That's not... That's not it. Worship is so much more. Worship is, is every bit of your body being used and subjected and submitted to God for his, for his glory. It's the way that you go to work. It's the way you interact with, with your coworkers. It's, it's the way you, you, you even view your job and what you do and, and ask yourself, how can I bring glory to God through what I do 40, 50, 60 hours a week? How can I use this little bit of my life to, to, to expand God's kingdom here on this earth. It's in the way that you inter interact with your friends and with your spouse and with your neighbors, and it's the way that you get up in the morning with a few parents in here to with, you know, screaming kids or to change a diaper. Or, it's everything about you is, is, is worship. And so God has then given us bodies to be broken and subjected and submitted completely to his will. But here's the problem for, for many of, of us. This you, you might hear this and it sounds exhausting. 
like, wait a second, you're telling me that I have to, like, all the time, like, I can't just go about my life like I've been going about it. You know, it's nice to be able to go and, and, and go to church and, like, sing songs and, and feel like I'm worshiping and then go about the rest of my life and not have to really think about God too much. You not have to think about his reality and his kingdom. And I can just sort of get into my little, my little bubble and do my thing throughout the week and, and do some things that make me happy or whatever. But to think, like, everything I do is to be subjected to his will. Everything about my life, like, every action, every breath, everything I hear, everything I see, it's all to be subjected and submitted to his will and to, and to bring glory to him. Like, that sounds, for some of us, it just sounds exhausting, doesn't it? Like, we have to think that much? I really don't like that. There's a guy, he wrote a book called... The Naked Gospel, his name was Andrew Farley. And in the book, he, Andrew finds himself laying on the floor in his apartment. And he's completely, he's, he's in complete despair. He's depressed, he's broken, he's weeping. Um, now, what brought him to this state where he's laid out on the floor in complete despair? What brought him there? It was through trying to please God with his life. Through trying to please God with his life, and he's laid out on the floor, broken, depressed, in despair. He's, do, he's been doing everything that, uh, that his church tells him to do. He's been, he's been volunteering in the church. He's been volunteering in the community. He reads his Bible five or six hours a day. Can you guys get that? Five or six hours a day, this guy was reading his Bible. He was sharing his faith like crazy to the point where... He was, he, he was so crazy about sharing his faith that he would be laying in bed, and, and if he hadn't shared his faith with somebody that day, he actually couldn't fall asleep. He would just be laying awake. And there was many times he talked about where he would get up in the middle of the night, and he would, he would go to the corner store to find somebody that he could share his faith with, and he really did not care like what their response was. He didn't care if they, if he, he didn't care about his presentation. He didn't, he just had to share his faith with somebody so he could go home and sleep. Caught up in a world of doing good and serving God, and it led him to despair and depression. Why? He was missing something, wasn't he? I mean, he was really missing something. I mean, his, his he talks about how his faith in the midst of this, was, was stalled. It was, he was stagnant. He was not growing spiritually. He was trying to offer God everything he was. Yet, down deep, he couldn't even find it himself. Down deep, he was really like, missing the gospel. If we, if we read, if we read uh, Romans 12, without understanding this idea of an ultimate sacrifice. Romans 12, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. If we read that without understanding Jesus' ultimate sacrifice, we're really going to miss something. Look at verse 11 in, in Hebrews 10. Verse 11, it says, Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But 
When this priest had offered, speaking of Jesus, when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Every day, day after day after day, week after week after week, the priest stands to offer sacrifice. The priest stands to offer sacrifice day after day. And when Jesus offered his one sacrifice, he sat down. Think about this. The priest offering the sacrifices in the presence of God would never dream of sitting down in the Holy of Holies. They would never dream of it. So every day they're standing to, to, to offer their sacrifice over and over and over. Jesus offered his one sacrifice and he sat down in the presence of God. Jesus still is interceding for us, and, but the work is done. The work is done. When Jesus offered that one sacrifice on the cross, he said, it is finished. The work is completely done, and he sits down in the Holy of Holies, the right hand of God. He sits down. It's finished. It's done. The work is over. We can only truly offer our bodies, our entire bodies, as living sacrifices. Our, our hands, feet, minds, ears, mind. <laughs> Some of you might have minds. Mind, ears, mouth, our eyes, our energy and our strength, our heart. We can only offer all of our bodies to God and submit ourselves to his will when we fully realize that the, that the great work is completely finished. It's completely finished. Christ still intercedes for us, but he's sitting down. He's done. It's over. And then, as our hearts are open to this, our, we, we find this deep peace. And our hearts are now open to the gospel, and our bodies, everything that we, that we are, just naturally become living sacrifices which are holy and pleasing to God. And this is our act of worship. N.T. Wright says this, Christianity is not about a religious system going round and around, back to the same spot over and over again. He says it's about events which move us forward sequentially through time, which lead us to a grand climax. If you are working toward pleasing God, you're working toward pleasing God, you haven't fully got the gospel. If you're working towards pleasing Him, you're missing something deeply. The gospel says that in Christ, God was well pleased. In Christ, He's well pleased. Know that your identity is found in Christ, with whom God is well pleased. And that the work is done. And God is pleased. If you find yourself working for your own glory or promoting your own agenda, you're doing things to sort of build yourself up and make yourself look good. And, I mean, if you really take a look at your week, and you take a look at your finances, and you take a look at your resources, and you begin to find that almost everything you do is pointing to you. 
everything you do is about expanding who you are and expanding your tiny little empire here in this massive world. You need to begin to realize that there is a much, much bigger story that we're part of. And instead of living your own little story over here, know where your place is in this bigger, grander, and better story, which is moving us sequentially, not round and round, but sequentially moving us towards this grand climax, which that song we sang about earlier, this glorious day, one day when Christ will completely return. There's this renewal and recreation, and this, this beautiful grand climax to our story. And it's time to subject all that you are, every bit of you, the way that you spend your time, to simply submit it over to the will of God and say, I'm completely yours. I'm a vessel for you to fill up and, and to pour out as you wish. I'm completely yours. A large part of being a Christian is knowing where you belong, where you belong in God's story, and celebrating and finding deep peace in the once and for all work which has been done on the cross through Jesus Christ. The priests stand every day working, offering sacrifices, but when Christ offered that one sacrifice, on the cross, he sat down. It's finished. Let's go ahead and pray. We're just going to take some time to meditate on that before we have communion. God, we thank you for the blood of Jesus by which we are saved. His once and for all sacrifice was good enough. The work is done, and in that finished work, we find our identity. We therefore then give ourselves entirely to you as living sacrifices to be used for your glory. And this is our worship. We now ask that you do fill us up and pour us out. Use us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.